Total Fantasy Podcast. I'm Calvin, your host here with your co-host, Chris, the fantasy expert. Good to be back. And in today's show, we've got a really fun show for today. We've sort of got an NFL mock draft for the 2020 NFL draft first round. So Chris and I have uh, done a mock draft just before this show. We made our picks for all 32 um, picks in the first round of the NFL draft. We've also, before that, got a positional mini preview for fantasy. We picked out three players at quarterback, running back, and wide receiver. And uh, we're going to analyze them, our, their fantasy prospects. Chris, I know I'm really excited for the draft, obviously, with no sporting events going on right now. What about you? I'm sure you Yeah, are. I've been this excited for the draft. I don't think ever. I mean, right now it just feels like the draft is the holy grail of sports when it's just normally some smaller thing that's still interesting. But now it's just blown up into huge proportions, and I'm so excited. Yeah, it's like walking into like a long, dark tunnel. And the draft is just the, the small light. Or say there's like a little hole in the top in the middle. Like, because this tunnel is still going to be going on. But at least we've got yep. some. So we'll start with the NFL draft uh, mini preview. Positional mini preview for fantasy. And so we picked out three quarterbacks. And the first one is Joe Burrow of the Bengals. And I feel like his prospects are pretty good with um, A.J. Green and Joe Mixon. And uh, as two very talented, very skilled players at his disposal. So I think I would rank him approaching top 15 or maybe even in top 15 range. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, I mean, we've seen over the years Heisman Trophy winners have always done well in the NFL, and I think that'll carry over to fantasy. I think he's kind of the Kyler Murray of this year. I think that offense has a good chance to do a lot better, but I did hear that there's a possibility that Joe Mixon will hold out. Yeah, I saw that. It looked like he was preparing to hold out for this season. I don't know how long that will last. Obviously, we've seen... Le'Veon Bell held out for the whole season. Meanwhile, Ezekiel Elliott came back. But, yeah, um, it all kind of depends on who's if he's getting his money. And uh, I don't think that Joe Burrow can perform without a solid running back because then defenses can totally take away because the Bengals will have absolutely no running game. And I think he would end up getting eaten alive by edge rushers. And so I think that would be a problem if Joe Mixon holds out. Yeah, I think, speaking of getting eaten alive by edge rushers, I think the offensive line is also an issue for the Bengals. So they would definitely want to probably improve that uh, through the draft, hopefully, for them. And um, so that they can protect him. And if Burrow just gets sacked all the time in his first year, that's not good for his fantasy or NFL output or out, out prospect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so uh, the, next, uh, the next quarterback is Tua Tagovailoa. And so, out of Alabama, obviously. And so... Chris, uh, what do you think about him for fantasy? He's sort of a wild card with his injury risk. Yeah, I think if he can stay healthy, I don't know if he's going to have a huge fantasy impact. I don't know if I see he's, – I don't. he's definitely not a QB one. I think, if anything, he's a guy that you're drafting later in the draft is more of a sleeper. I don't think he's going to come into a team and totally take over. I mean, the – a lot of people are saying he'll go to the Dolphins, and they already have Ryan Fitzpatrick. So I assume Ryan Fitzpatrick would stay quarterback to a tag of low, would get a little bit used to the NFL. And then towards the end of the season, you might pick him up on the waiver wire and put him in your lineup. Most likely, I don't think he'll have much fantasy value. Yeah, I think um, Tua, for, for Tua, is sort of like, I mean, yeah, his injury risk is a big thing. Ryan Fitzpatrick might play to start the season. And there doesn't, don't tend to be new rookie quarterbacks that make an impact in fantasy right away. I think Burrow has the potential to do that, but I think he's the only one in this class that does. Yeah, I would agree. And so the next quarterback is Justin Herbert from Oregon. And last season, he had an outstanding season at Oregon, and he was valued very high. Then the, this season, he was pretty shaky, and so his draft stock dropped a little. 
it's, he's most likely going to go to the Chargers at number six, I believe. And I think he's another guy that won't have a ton of fantasy value. He might be able to beat out Tyrod Taylor right away, but I don't know if he's going to have a lot of fantasy value anyway. Yeah, I don't think – I think he's going to kind of be a guy like we saw with maybe someone like Drew Locke going to the Broncos who ended up playing, but I don't think he's going to have much of a fantasy value. I think he's still a guy that you're going to see develop, and maybe in future years you'll see him become a fantasy-relevant guy, but definitely not for 2020. Yeah, I think it's just – first of all, he might not even win the job. Even though that he might, he's, uh, it's possible that he doesn't adjust to the NFL too well, especially since his – uh, last season at Oregon wasn't too good. Um, mm-hmm. It was shaky. It was there were some um, ups and downs. Yeah, but, but I mean, he he does have a lot of experience, though. I think he played either three or four years in college. I'm pretty sure. So yeah, I mean, He's a, a, a few years under his belt. Yep. Um, and so for running back, I guess well, every every college player would play three or four years, but uh, that's always helpful. And I think for um, well, for, no, not necessarily. I mean, some people leave early. I think, so. well, I think you can only leave after three seasons, I'm pretty sure. I don't think they have is the that? one. Oh. Yeah, oh. I, I, but I think still, it's still good that he has those years under his belt. I think he stayed all four years. Um, mm-hmm. He may have stayed three. I don't, I'm not exactly sure. But, and now we'll move on to running back. And running back is, it's sort of, has, it's not the best running back group ever, but it has some good potential. And uh, the first guy on the list is DeAndre Swift, who I think he's not really – too great at every at any specific trait but like he's an all-around good player sort of reminds me of Josh Jacobs who's not like as the flashy kind of guy but he's sort of decent at everything yeah DeAndre Swift he's he doesn't look fast like when he's running his 40-yard dash and I think it was he ran a either I think it was I believe yeah 448 which isn't amazingly fast but when he has the ball in his hands he just looks like a really fast guy I mean He's really elusive, and he played really well at Georgia. So I think he's has a high draft stock, and I think there's a chance that he has an impact on fantasy. Yeah, and then another thing to look at for Swift, he has something to prove, I think. With Georgia, for most of his years there, he was with Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle in sort of a platoon. And we talked about this in a previous episode, but I think that he's going to be now um, – I mean, it looks like he might go to the Dolphins or the Chiefs and uh, be in a timeshare with Damian Williams or with Jordan Howard, but I still think that he will be able to he'll try to prove that he has um, enough to compete on the NFL level, which I think he does. And yeah, I would definitely agree. And now with the running back that had a, a great combine and uh, one of the best combines, uh, Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin. Chris, what do you think about him? Yeah, Jonathan Taylor is a really interesting guy. I think he could go anywhere from the first all the way to the third round. So you're it's kind of, I feel like he's, it's a team-by-team team situation for him. I, if he steps into a team that has a solid offensive line, I can see him having an impact on fantasy. But if he steps onto a team like the Bengals or someone's, if like, just for instance, if Joe Mixon held out, you know, and he becomes that Bengals running back, that, I don't think that offensive line is good enough to have him have a big enough fantasy dent to be fantasy relevant. So, But I do think he has potential. Yeah, I agree. I think with Taylor, it's just – that he has potential, it not, not not necessarily show during his rookie season. And I think I heard rumors about him maybe going to the Ravens as well with Mark Ingram. If that situation happens, I think Ingram is a couple years from uh, decline, full decline or full not being able to be trusted at least. So I think Taylor, if he went there, might not have a huge role. So I think he's a guy to keep an eye on down the line. If you play in a dynasty league, which we do not cover, um, I would maybe that may, might be a good dynasty pick. 
Um, mm-hmm. But and our next, our last RB is uh, J.K. Dobbins, and J.K. He's sort of he, he's from Iowa State, and he's like got a, he's a good pass catcher. He's got good footwork and ball security, so the traits you need to be a good running back in the NFL. But I don't know if he will be right away. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, I don't think he's at that point yet where we can consider him fantasy relevant. But I do think maybe in a few years he has potential. He's not one of those running backs that I'm super high on next, this year going into the draft. But I do think that he has some skills that could, with some work and some practice and some training from NFL coaches, could really shine and he could grow into a good running back. Yeah, I think there's a, there's a bunch of decent running backs in this class. Nobody who totally stands out. Um, obviously, Travis Etienne is in this class. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire from LSU. Um, Zach Moss is a guy who's been rising up draft boards a little bit, um, and I think he's got some. He's got talent too, uh, so he could be an interesting guy to watch. Um, and now we move on to wide receiver, and there's three wide receivers who are just far and away the best in this amazing wide receiver class. And the first one, mm-hmm. and you could argue it's C.D. Lamb, but I we have Jerry Judy as the top wide receiver. And yeah, so Chris, I I, I he barely that. even has any weaknesses. I feel like he's just so precise with his routes and he's a mm-hmm. great, just a great player. And his ability to high point the ball. I mean, CD, Jerry Judy and CD Lamb have an amazing ability to high point the ball. They can track the ball so well. I think what puts Jerry Judy apart is his precise route running. Like you said, Calvin, he's just his cuts and his, and his change of a uh, direction direction. Yeah. is just incredible. Yeah, it's just it, he has all the tools, and he's definitely going to be a star in the NFL. But so is CeeDee Lamb. We shouldn't discount him either. He has mm-hmm. great ball-tracking ability, like you said. I think he's not the fastest guy, but he can make up for that with his um, – again, he also runs great routes, as I said, great ball-tracking ability. So I think it's they're 1A and 1B, and it's very close to who is the 1A. But I think CeeDee Lamb and Jerry Judy could both have fantasy impact right away. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I mean – any team, they could. There are some teams that they would step in. And they'd be the wide receiver one there. I mean, and other teams, maybe some. One of them, I don't see it, but like on a team like the Packers, where they already have Devonte Adams, one of them would make a great compliment to him. And they could just really, I think they could really be a game changer in fantasy and in the NFL. Yeah, I just, I think if they go to the Raiders, they've got potential. Derek Carr. Um, I think if they go to the 49ers, they've got potential with Demi Garoppolo. I don't love the Jets' offense, but they would still get a ton of targets from Sam Darnold. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I would like them on the Jets just because of Adam Gase. Who yeah, we me talked either. about. Me and you both do not like Adam Gase for fantasy. <laughs> yeah, and for, for the fantasy. NFL, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, for his team in general, he is not a good coach in our opinion. But I think also if Denver traded up, they could have another guy to um, compliment Cortland Sutton, and that would be good for them. I don't know how good that would be for fantasy. This will be pretty good. And now we've got an, a, one of the fast. I think he's the fastest. He ran the fastest 40 in the draft. It's uh, Henry Ruggs III from Alabama. And he's yeah. just so speedy. He's sort of like DK Metcalf, but he can just burn people down the field. Yeah, I mean, he can fly. You watch his tape and his 40. He's just incredibly fast. I mean, he kind of revi- reminds me of John Ross a little bit, but I just feel like he has more potential than John Ross. He's not only a speedster. He still has the ability to catch like some of the other receivers. I mean, his catching ability isn't as high as Jerry Judy or CeeDee Lamb, so that's why we have him as the third, but he's still right up there with those other two guys. Yeah, it's interesting because some people underestimate speed sometimes. Like, for example, DK Metcalf dropped very far in the draft, dropping to the end of the second round for the Seahawks because his three-cone drill was atrocious. But he still overcame that and had a great season – 
in his first year, and he's definitely, I think, going to improve even more in his second season in the NFL. And so now we'll move on to the NFL draft, first-round mock draft that we did um, just before the show. And so we basically, Chris and I just traded off picks, and I got all the odd numbers, and Chris got all the even numbers. And this did result in us picking uh, two players for the same team. Like, we both actually picked players for Minnesota. But you'll see who those players were once we get to 22 and 25. And so for the first pick, Cincinnati, Cincinnati Bengals, I obviously took Joe Burrow. I think this is the obvious pick here. Um, he's, like, definitely the top quarterback in his class. Um, won the Heisman. Won the national championship. He's just clearly the top pick. And Cincinnati really needs a quarterback. Yeah, this has been one of those years where in the NBA draft and in the NFL draft, I think we've seen a clear number one in Zion and uh, Joe Burrow. So I don't think I could see anything else happening at this pick. Yeah, it would be a shock if they did not take Burrow. And so, Chris, uh, I think number two is pretty obvious too, but who have you got there? Yeah, number two, we've got to go with Chase Young. He's the most talented guy in the draft. He just puts so much pressure on quarterbacks. And then his ability to to – like I said, put pressure on everyone. It just makes the entire defense better. I mean, Calvin, you said that you have him as almost the Redskins almost as a sleeper defense, just because if they get Chase Young, that can totally change the dynamic of a defense. Yeah, I agree. I think um, the, throughout the industry, people are uh, not necessarily respecting the Redskins enough. Some of some of them, some people are saying that he's their sleeper. Some people aren't really are sort of forgetting about them, but they're sort of interesting with uh, Chase Young, and I think. Chase Young is the most talented player in this class, and it's only because the in the NFL, a quarterback is the most useful player um, that Joe Burrow would go ahead of him. Mm-hmm. And so for number three, uh, the Detroit Lions, uh, I had them taking Jeff Okuda from Ohio State, and that's two Ohio State players in a row. But I think Okuda is just an amazing shutdown corner. Uh, with the loss of Darius Slay, Desmond Trufant doesn't completely fill that hole. And I think with Trufant and Okuda across from each other, they'll have one of the um, most ferocious one-two corner punches in the league. And I think they'll be feared throughout the league for their secondary, at least at the cornerback spot. Yeah. Pick three for Detroit. I think this is a pick that we've heard a lot of buzz about maybe being traded. So I think that there's a good chance that that happens. But as long as the Detroit stays at number three. I think you'll see them take Jeff Okuda, but I'd watch out for the Dolphins and even the Chargers moving up to number three. Yeah, I just think um, we did not do trades in this mock draft, by the way. That's why um, there there are no trades in this. So we just kept it updated with the latest, obviously, pick Mm -hmm. trades that happened before the draft. And so, Chris, who you got at number four? At number four, I've got Isaiah Simmons. I I love Isaiah Simmons next year. I think he can play. I mean, some of the Giants' needs are safety, but – their offensive tackle, edge rusher, safety, wide receiver, tight end. And you might say, oh, Isaiah Simmons isn't really one of those. I mean, he kind of is. He's not exactly one of those, but he can be an edge rusher. And we've even seen him play safety at Clemson. He's such a defensive chess piece. Any defensive coordinator would love to have him on the team. I feel like he's right there with Chase Chase Young and his ability to change the game. I just think he's so good. That he's, and he's so much of a playmaker that the Giants haven't seen since someone like Lawrence Taylor that they need to take him. And I think this could be great for the Giants team. Yeah, this is a g- good pick for the Giants for sure. And Isaiah Simmons is a great combine, really shot him up draft boards. And it's funny because he kind of fills multiple um, Giant, the Giants' needs. But like he can play like many different positions, slot corner, linebacker, edge rusher, safety. He's just like a guy that you really need in the modern NFL to keep up with the 
fearsome tight ends such as Travis Kelsey and George Kittle who are tearing up defenses, Isaiah Simmons is the perfect solution to those guys. And I think yep. that more of these players will help balance out defense and offense. And so for number five, um, I think this is a pretty obvious, although there was some buzz recently about mm. Dolphins taking – I would not say obviously. I mean, there's been so much buzz about this guy dropping. I'm sure you guys already know who we're talking about. It's Tua Tagovailoa. And I think um, I've heard. S- oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so I think, yeah, I just think he could drop. And I mean, his injury risk is there for sure. And I think I would still take him over Justin Herbert at number five. The Miami Dolphins have this pick, by the way. Um, but I just think that he is definitely, if you don't have to worry about the injury risk, he's clearly the better player. But the injury risk could cause a major drop. But I'm going to have them taking Tua and him sitting behind a Fitzpatrick, maybe for half a year, maybe for a full year, maybe for a quarter of the year, depending on how that offense works. Yep. Okay. At number six for the Los Angeles Chargers, I'm going to go with Justin Herbert. I mean, he is right there with Tua Tagovailoa. I think he's just a tiny bit less – I think he's a little bit less skillful – I think Tua Tagovailoa, we've seen him in the big moments like that national championship game, step in and win games. I think re- that really speaks to a lot of teams that want to be playoff contenders. So I think that puts him slightly below Tua, but he doesn't have that injury risk that Tua does. And I loved – I mean, Justin Herbert, he did so well in the combine. He was the only quarterback that actually played there. Joe, Joe Burrow, I think everyone knows he's the number one pick, so he didn't really need to. And Tua obviously had that hip injury, so he couldn't. But Justin Herbert is just – He's so accurate, and I think he's kind of right there. Joe Burrow is at a tier by himself, and then you've got Tua and Justin Herbert right there, and then I think – and then maybe Jordan Love from Utah State. But Justin Herbert, he's just a guy that – he's a pocket passer, and he can really change an offense. Yeah, I think at the end of 2018, Herbert was projected by some as the number one pick for 2020. Um, But I think that – his stock has dropped a little, but it's still a quality pick for the Chargers. I'm a little bit worried about his uh, him being able to transfer to the NFL, but I think he's still definitely a tier above the rest of the guys like Jordan Love or Jacob Eason and mm-hmm. guys like that. And, he, and, and when, when you're watching the tape of Justin Herbert, I mean, he just seems very under control. He seems very comfortable in the pocket, and I think that that presence really helps an offense, not just from like a – a statistic standpoint, but from a mental standpoint, just having a someone that's calm under center, but that's also a leader of, for that team. Yeah, that's true. I agree. And I think um, number seven is where it really gets interesting. The Carolina Panthers have this pick. And so they have some different needs, but I think their biggest pressing need is at defensive tackle. And I think that's the biggest one they need to address right now. So I'm having them take Derek Brown out of Auburn. Derek Brown is a very talented player. I feel like He's a candidate that might drop on draft boards just because some teams might decide they might not want a defensive tackle as much as other positions like cornerback, for example. But I think that he's talented enough to be picked at number seven, or he could drop far. But I'm having Carolina take him because I think that's their most pressing need, especially losing Kawan short. Mm -hmm. And so, Chris, who you got at number eight? I've got Arizona picking here. Jedrick Wills from Alabama, offensive tackle. Now, this was a really tough pick for me because I think they need an offensive ta- – th- or yeah, they need an offensive yeah. tackle. And I just – I had a really tough time because you've got the big four offensive linemen, I think, who are uh, Jedrick Wills, Mecky Becton, Tristan Worfs, and Andrew Thomas. So you kind of have to figure out which player fits the team needs. But I do see Jedrick Wills. I've just liked him this whole process. And I think he's just – uh, 
maybe just a tiny bit in front of someone like Becky Becton, who I had the most trouble deciding with between those two. I mean, the main thing is Becky Becton's uh, drug test was flagged at the NFL combine and that will scare NFL teams away a little bit, I think. But I, I think that Arizona really needs someone to protect Kyler Murray. Now they've got DeAndre Hopkins. So they need to make sure that Kyler Murray has time to get the ball out to, to someone like DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, and Mecky Becton, by the way, is massive. 368 pounds, I believe. So he's uh, mm-hmm. one of the bigger off- biggest offensive linemen we've seen ever. Um, so at number nine, the Jacksonville Jaguars pick. And this was an interesting pick because C.J. Henderson, a cornerback, has been climbing people's draft boards. And I think people, some people have that Jacksonville taking C.J. Henderson. But I feel like their cornerbacks, while not – their secondary, not, while not that great, is still adequate for another year. And I think their most pressing need – is at defensive tackle because I believe if you have edge rushers it, or edge rushers and defensive tackles, it elevates your entire defense. So I had them taking Javon Kinlaw out of South Carolina. And this might be a little bit of a reach, but I think it fills a better – it fills a need better than C.J. Henderson, at least for now. And uh, a, a good pass rush boosts the rest of the defense for sure. And mm-hmm. so number 10 is for the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, Mecky Becton, going back to him, he's – absolutely huge he's just a giant I mean he can with just his body he can fill a gap I mean I don't think he's the most agile but he ran actually ran a surprisingly fast 40-yard dash considering his weight and he's right there with Jedrick Wills at the top of the board I think those two are the top guys I think Cleveland's gonna really like seeing him still there so I think they're gonna take him yeah the offensive tackles are very top heavy this year we have four in the top 15 so mm-hmm. that's pretty interesting. The next three picks are all wide receivers. And uh, for the Jets, I had them taking Jerry Judy from Alabama. And I think he's just, uh, like we talked about before, his, he's so precise with his routes and his, he has the physical tools. He's a great learner. He always wants to get better. And it's just, he's a great player. I think if they polish a couple things, he can be a star in the NFL. And so this is a wide receiver the Jets need. I don't know if this is great for fantasy because of Sam Darnold and Adam Gase being there but I think he's definitely boosts the offense at least. Mm-hmm. And so next pick, number 12, is the Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah, and they're going to go with C.D. Lamb here, I think. He's just – he's, again, like, he's kind of – he's just, like we said before, he's so good at high-pointing the ball. He runs routes great. He's still he's – a, he's a relatively fast guy. I mean, he's not super speed like Henry Ruggs is, but he's – I think he's the second-best wide receiver in the class. It's really close with Jerry Judy – and these three guys, I think they're the obvious top three wide receivers. And I think Las Vegas is going to be happy to find any of them still on the board at their pick. Yeah, I agree. I think um, it's pretty likely that they'll remain there, but they'll still be happy to find Judy or a Lamb. Mm-hmm. I guess we have them taking Lamb. And San Francisco, I have at 13. The 49ers also taking a wide receiver, Henry Ruggs. And he's just so fast. Like we said, I think he's the fastest guy in the draft. And I think speed, like we also said, um, can overcome, like, maybe deficiencies at other places. Not that Henry Ruggs has those, but he's just not as a com- much of a complete player as Jerry Duty and CeeDee Lamb, in my opinion. I think mm-hmm. the other option here for San Francisco is reach- getting a defensive tackle to replace DeForest Buckner, who was traded away. But I think this mm-hmm. is too far to reach, especially with Derek Brown and De- Javon Kinlaw already gone. I think the next tier of offense- defensive tackles should be drafted a little bit later, and I felt that this was a little too far to reach for a guy like that. Yeah, and... and- I think Henry Ruggs, we're not going to be seeing him in the second round, but we could still be seeing a solid kind of guy to replace Buckner in the second round. 
Yeah, I think you could Or maybe see- even at 31 because the uh, San Francisco picks again at number 31. Yeah, that could be a good spot to get a defensive, uh, defensive lineman. Who do they take? You'll find out. Um, Chris, the number 14 is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, so I think the Bucs are going to go with Tristan Wurfs here. I had to choose between um, Andrew Thomas and Wurfs, but I went with Wurfs because I think he's a bit of a better pass protector. They really need someone to protect Brady. We don't want him getting injured. He's kind of the prize possession. He's the 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 gold the, that the Buccaneers are protecting. Yeah. So I think they need some – uh, make this a metaphor, Tristan Wirfs is the pirate protecting the gold of Tom Brady. Yes. And I think Tampa Bay's offensive line was decent, but they do need, they, they could definitely use someone else to improve it. And so the next pick at 15 is the Denver Broncos. And they're happy with getting Andrew Thomas from Georgia. And I think Andrew Thomas is, he's a very good blocker. He's a little weak in pass protection like works, but I think he's a better run blocker. And that sort of suits Denver's philosophy of just running, which they should use of running the ball with Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay and Drew Locke as their quarterback. I don't know how you don't focus on the run this upcoming season. So I think Andrew Thomas fits that. Yep. And next is number 16, the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, the Atlanta Falcons, I think here they're going to be happy to find C.J. Henderson. Obviously, we talked about Jacksonville passing on them, and he has been skyrocketing off draft boards. I mean, you're seeing him almost as high as Jeff Okuda. I think Jeff Okuda is still the best cornerback in this class, but I think C.J. Henderson is right there with him. I mean, he's such a game changer, and I think Atlanta really needs someone to uh, take over Desmond Trufant's place, right? Okay. Yeah, I think uh, Desmond Trufant leaving, they definitely need a corner. Mm-hmm. And so next pick is the Dallas Cowboys, and uh, they definitely need an edge rusher, and this is the next ed- edge rusher to go after Chase Young. It is A.J. Epinesa from Iowa. So he's going to replace Robert Quinn, who departed uh, this offseason, and I think what he needs no Chase Young, but he's a quality defensive end to sort of replace the hole that it was created when Quinn left. And it's their most biggest need, in my opinion, and they'll take the next guy available. And so 18 is the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, the Miami Dolphins are back on the board, and I think they're going to look to get an edge rusher here, someone to help finish off that defense, which, they, which they've really been growing, and it seems almost like it could be somewhat of a – threat next year at least solid and I think Ezra Cleveland is the final piece to kind of or not I wouldn't say final piece but he's a good step in finishing off that defense and making it I think what it can what it can be and he's just like like we've always been talking about me and Calvin both agree that edge rushers can totally change a defense I mean they can make a defense that's not that good into a solid team and so I think that the Dolphins are going to be looking for someone like that that can really totally boost their defense. And I think that he'll work well in a Brian Flores run team. Yeah, I think um, – and Brian Flores was a, used to be a linebacker's coach uh, at New England, so he knows uh, the defense. So I think um, Ezra Cleveland is a very good pick. And Miami has been doing a lot of work this offseason on their defense, so they could actually not be too bad coming up next season. And as you said, Chris, edge rushers and defensive tack tackles can boost the whole defense mm-hmm. and so at 19 we've got the las vegas raiders once again and so at 12 just a reminder they took cd lamb wide receiver from oklahoma and here they'll take trevon diggs a cornerback from alabama and i think diggs um henderson and okuda are the top three corners in this draft and diggs is deserving of being drafted here this might be a little high 
But I think it's definitely one of their biggest team needs. They really need to boost their secondary at the cornerback position. Diggs is a quality player that can just cover people. I don't even know um, what I was going to say. but I think Just a solid guy. Solid guy. I was like a quality, solid, and then I lost my I, – I didn't know what my train of thought yeah. was going next. It barreled off the side of the tracks. But I think mm-hmm. he's a quality cornerback, um, and I think it's a good pick at nine. And so – Yeah. Number 20. Number 20, I'm going to go with uh, – it's Jacksonville's pick, so they're back on the clock from number nine. I think they're, the, they're going to go with – I had to learn how to say this before the show. Yichir Gross Matos, the yes, defensive end from – Penn State, and he's, I think he's an underrated guy. I think defensive ends are actually going to be a hot commodity here in this draft. I think a lot of people are going to be looking for them, and I think they're going to fly off the board faster than teams expect, so Jacksonville's going to have to take them here. I do think that cornerback is still a pressing need, but with Diggs gone, I don't think that there's anyone else that they like, so. Yeah, I agree. I, I I like this pick. I think Jacksonville's probably pretty disappointed that they didn't get a corner, but I agree with you that it's not really worth it after Diggs went. I think they were probably they would probably have hoped to get Diggs, but he is now gone. And so the next pick is the Philadelphia Eagles, and they are taking T. Higgins at Clemson from Clemson to compliment Alshon Jeffrey, another big target, another red zone target to help out Carson Wentz to take attention off Alshon Jeffrey. Wide receiver is really Philly's biggest need, and they haven't had much wide many wide receivers throughout Carson Wentz's career. So it'll really give him a boost in fantasy. For sure. Yeah, I think I think Philly is going to be a little upset not to be finding one of those top three guys, Jerry, Judy, CeeDee Lamb, and Henry Ruggs. But I think that they're going to realize that they have to get a receiver just because they're they, they that's their most pressing need, and it's a huge need. I mean, I don't know if Carson Wentz can be what the can live up to the potential that he obviously has without a good receiving core, and I think that's why they're going to go with T. Higgins too. Yeah, I think um, another possibility is maybe they trade up to get rugs. Um, that could happen as well. We don't really know what, what they're thinking, but we'll see what happens on Thursday. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the next pick, number 22, is the Minnesota Vikings. And this might actually surprise some people. I'm going to go with Grant Delpit here, and we'll talk about Xavier McKinney a little bit later. But the reason I went with Delpit is just because he's the Jim Thorpe Award winner. I think he's just the best the best uh, defensive back or I wouldn't say the best defensive back but the best safety in this in this draft I really watching the film he's just really good at I think he reads deep offenses really well and he's really good at he's really fast and he's just a overall solid player and I think that Minnesota is gonna like that and I think he's gonna be a good replacement to people like Xavier Rhodes who obviously departed yeah definitely it's a quality pick to improve their <clears throat> their secondary excuse me and so for number 23 uh, the New England Patriots pick here, and they really need a quarterback. I would be shocked. I mean, Bill Belichick, we know, has his own ways of doing things. But, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me again. I-, I would be very shocked if they did not take Jordan Love out of Utah State, the fourth quarterback off the board coming in, 17 picks after Herbert. I think he's got the – he's a little bit raw, but he's got the tools to become a franchise guy. And he's definitely a good option to have around, especially when your quarterbacks are, as New England's quarterbacks are, Jarrett Stidham and Brian Hoyer. So I think it's a good pick for them. Mm-hmm. And similar to Justin Herbert, I think – or, well, not necessarily Justin Herbert, but we've seen Jordan Love rising up the draft board a little. I think there's a chance that we could see him going inside the top 15, but I, th- I think it's most likely that he goes at number 23. Yeah, I agree. Um, number 24 is the – and actually, just a side note, you don't usually see quarterback needy teams picking this low because to make the playoffs, you need a quarterback pretty much. Mm-hmm. You need a good quarterback. 
Um, number 24 uh, is the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, so uh, we're going to go with Kenneth Murray here, linebacker for Oklahoma. And the Saints really need the depth just because of the injury-prone uh, Kiko Alonso. Kenneth Murray is just a guy that I think he's, he's an all-around solid linebacker, and I think he's really going to fill a hole that the Saints need. I think it's their most pressing need. So this is a, I think this is a, not an exciting pick, but I think it's a good pick. Yeah, I just think it's not, like, it's not like a flashy Chase Young kind of guy, but mm-hmm. it's a pick that fills their most pressing need, and Kenneth Murray's a quality player. Um, now we've got Minnesota again, and they're going to take another LSU player, Justin Jefferson from LSU. He's a wide receiver. So Jefferson and Delphit, maybe we'll have some chemistry, even though they play offense and <laughs> yeah. defense. Um, so this is a sort of a, a pick to replace Stephon Diggs, who departed to Buffalo, obviously. And with Adam Thielen um, as pretty much the only threat, the number two wide receiver there is BC Johnson. So I had never even heard of him before this offseason. I think that Justin Jefferson is the guy that you need to have there. or want, it, it, For sure a wide receiver. I think Justin Jefferson is the best player available. And you need that guy to replace Diggs and have another threat in the passing game to take attention off Adam Thielen. Yep. Okay. So, go ahead. Number 26, Miami's picking their back on the clock for the third time in the draft. I was getting a little funny picking Miami's picks over and over again as I see their team needs dwindle. But yeah. – I've got DeAndre Swift here. They really need a running back. And I think, like we talked about earlier, DeAndre Swift is the best running back in the draft. He's just so good all around, and he's really elusive. I think it, the Dolphins are going to like to find a playmaker like him, especially at 26. He's definitely a first-round guy in my eyes. But I think that this pick I think that this pick could be traded. I mean, we'll, I think we'll see the Dolphins very active in trades on draft night, but I will guess that they'll, if they stay, they'll most likely go with DeAndre Swift. Yeah, with 14 picks, they've got to trade at least some of them. And I think, at least it seems like that. I think with Swift, um, there's also a chance he goes at 32 to the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are probably a little disappointed in our draft that they don't get Swift, and as such, they do not take a running back, which you'll see later. Um, but for number 27... Um, the Seattle Seahawks, and I had them taking Ross Blacklock out of TCU, the defensive tackle, and I think they really need to improve their defensive line. This is another pick where it's like, if the defensive line improves, so does the rest of the defense, and I think that's definitely one of their main weaknesses, and Blacklock is a quality player, um, probably the third best defensive tackle in the draft, which is where he was drafted, behind Derek Brown and Javon Kinlaw, but I think he's sort of, he's sort of a tier down from those guys. But it's still at the end of the first round. It's a nice pick there, in my opinion. So I have them taking Blacklock. Yeah, I think Blacklock would have been the guy that uh, San Francisco probably would have targeted at 31 if they if he was still available. I mean, he's that defensive tackle that we're looking for that you didn't want to reach for at 13, but maybe you could get later. But obviously, he's now gone to Seattle. So we'll see what San Francisco goes with. Yeah, you'll see. Anyways, we move on to Baltimore. Number 28, Josh Jones is the Houston offensive tackle. And he's – that's I have him here, the Baltimore taking him at 28, just because he's really been jumping up draft boards. I think that they want a guy that can kind of shore up that offensive line with departure of Marshall Yonda. We actually talked about the departure of Marshall Yonda, Marshall Yonda in more in-depth in our mailbag episode, so you can check that out. But I think that he'll really just fill a hole. I, th- I don't think that – like I said with – um. Ross Blacklock, I don't, or with Kent Murray, I don't think this is an exciting pick, but I think it's a pick that'll have an impact that you're not seeing in the stats, but will really help the team. Yeah, I think uh, Black, uh, no, it's not Blacklock. Josh Jones is a sneaky pick at the end of the first round who has been 
going up draft boards, I believe. So I think that's a very good pick. And um, next is the Tennessee Titans at 29, which is sort of weird to see after being mediocre for so long. They'll get Clavin yeah. Chason from LSU. He's an outside linebacker. And I think that fills Tennessee's need of an edge rusher. Their defense is already okay, but I think and a guy who can get to the quarterback, get sacks, is another thing that they will need. And uh, if you can pressure a quarterback, maybe he'll be more likely to throw picks. And that's definitely a perfect thing for a defense. And a defense for the NFL and for fantasy. So I have them taking chase on here. Um, and next pick is the Green Bay Packers at 30. Yeah, so Green Bay here. This is a pick that I actually – I've heard that – I know that the Green Bay Packers, just from, like, just draft talk, that they are looking into getting wide receivers. So that's why I go with Brandon Ayuk here. But I actually feel like that this team would be a little bit better off without picking a receiver at this pick. I think that Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard at Devin Funches would be a suitable threesome. But Brandon Ayuk, I I think that that's who they're going to end up going with. But I don't know if I necessarily love this pick. Yeah, I think I probably like this pick more than you. And I understand what you're saying, Chris. But I still think – I actually agree that they, they – I think they can maybe get a wide receiver later in the draft. But this is still a fine pick, I believe. I think this is a good pick at his draft value. Mm-hmm. And so for San Francisco, the 49ers at 31, and we talked about this. Um, so they did not take a, a defensive tackle um, because Blacklock left or did, mm-hmm. to Seattle at 27. So they'll take LaVisca Chenault from Colorado. He's a wide receiver. And I think it's just um, – he's sort of another guy that can sort of complement Henry Ruggs. And, yes, they are taking two wide receivers. But I think with Debo – if they got two guys to complement Debo Samuel. I think that would be a terrifying receiving core for defenses, especially with George Kittle. So I think it's just um, – and, and with their running backs, Raheem Mostert and Tevin Coleman, I think that will make their offense pretty scary to go along with their tough defense. So I think they do need a tackle still to – their defensive tackle to replace Buckner. But I think um, LaVisca Chenault is a quality pick. Yeah, I don't think I would necessarily take LaVisca Chenault here. I think that – I think y- – the 49ers would love to have someone like Ross Blacklock. I, but I get what you're saying, Calvin. With, without Blacklock, I do think that wide receiver is probably the best place to look, even though they already took one. So I, I, I think this is a solid pick. Yeah. And so for the last pick in the first round, we've got the Kansas City Chiefs, Super Bowl winning Kansas City Chiefs. So, Chris, who you got here? I've got A.J. Terrell as the last pick. He's a corner that I'm really excited about. I mean, watching him in the national championship game, he just shut down some of the uh, best receivers in the in college. So I, I think that the Kansas City is going to be happy. I don't know. I mean, this is a later pick in the first round, so he's obviously a borderline first-round guy, but I think he'll sneak his way in with Kansas, Kansas City, who's a needing, in need of a cornerback with Kendall Fuller departing. Yeah, like we talked about, I think they would be happy to get DeAndre Swift to be a plat- in a platoon with Damian Williams. But A.J. Terrell is still a great pick, especially with Kendall Fuller uh, heading out. Um, and so we've got sort of three notables that we put together that were sort of left off of our first round. They were left out of the first round. And I think the most notable might have been Xavier McKinney, corner from Alabama. Chris obviously took Delpit over him at Minnesota for Minnesota's pick at number 22. Mm-hmm. And the two places that I could have seen – uh, McKinney going is either 22. I, I just talked about how I like Delpit more, just the Jim Thorpe winner, and also 24 to the Saints, but I went with Kenneth Murray because I think that's their biggest need, but Xavier McKinney is definitely a first-round talent. I just think it's more of a, he doesn't fit in a certain team, really, so 
that's why he just got left off, but he's one of the first guys gone in the second round, I think. Yeah, sometimes it's just like that, where, like, very talented guys just don't – there's no perfect fit for them on a team. And it's sort of the same thing with Patrick Queen, also from LSU, um, like like Delpit, I guess. But McKinney was from Alabama. Um, he's an outside linebacker, so he's an edge rusher. He's sort of the one edge rusher left out. Um, from the top tier of edge rushers, um, teams basically took all of them except for Patrick Queen. They took Gross Matos. They took Chase Young, obviously. Um, so I think Clavon Ch- Chison. Yeah. However you say his name, I'm not really sure. Yeah. Um. So I think Patrick Queen is a quality player. He's just the one guy that got left off, and there was no other team that had a perfect fit that than one that already took a uh, an edge rusher. So I think he'll also be he would also be a guy going early in the second round. Yeah, and then the final guy that we left off the board is Austin Jackson. And I mean, there this offensive tackle class is stacked, and I do think there are a lot of needy teams. And I'm telling you, Austin Jackson Jackson will be. I think I'm sure of it. He'll probably be going to the Giants at number 36 in the second round. And he's just really talented. It's just another not really a fit. I mean, we saw some of the teams that really needed it take got different guys. I mean, we saw Josh Jones go and people like that. But I mean. He's just that guy that's right there, but just doesn't can't find a fit in the first round, I think. Yeah, I think he's sort of more of a borderline first rounder rather than Queen and McKinney. But I and I think he'll probably go very early in the second round. But yeah, he was just no, notable because he will be one of the first players off the board in the second round for sure if he's yeah, not wh- in the first. And why I say he'll probably end up going to the Giants in that next round is just because they they pass on someone like Jedrick Willis with the fourth pick. I obviously said that they went with Isaiah Simmons. So I think that's going to be probably their biggest need going into the later rounds as an offensive tackle. Yeah, I think Jedrick Wills is a very talented player, and it's tough to pass on him, but you got to get Simmons there. I think mm-hmm. he's just so good. And so yeah. that's it for our show. Um, This was a fun one. Thanks for downloading and listening as always. You can subscribe, rate, review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you're listening to this show. Um, it was fun doing this mock draft. I really liked it, and it's getting us in sort of in the draft spirit. I yeah, think. I'm so excited for the draft. Every yes. time I talk about it, I just get more and more excited. So yeah, It's fun. Um, we're updating our rankings, by the way, on the website, sites.google.com slash view slash second and goal fantasy. I have finished my PPR rankings, or half-point PPR rankings, and Chris is almost done with his. Touchdown yeah, I think I'm going to do them right after the show, actually, so... Sounds good. Coming out pretty soon. Yeah. Um, Touchdown Kirk, our other writer, is also done with his half PPR rankings, so you can check those out on the site. You can also check out some articles by Touchdown Kirk that he has written in our article section. Um, so, and yeah, that's pretty much it. So make sure to follow us, rate, review, continue downloading, and we will see you guys next time. Thank you.